I came to the idea because I sat down and wrote my own birth story and just found out so many things about myself through that process that I was like, hmm, I think this needs to be a thing. I think it's about being empowered. You know, um, often we feel like our bodies did something against us or the system did something against us and we don't feel empowered anymore. We feel like control was taken. And through our methodology and our workshops, it brings that feeling of empowerment back and a feeling of control in a positive way. Welcome to the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Podcast, a place where you just might find or hear a tiny piece of your motherhood reality. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, an educator, writer, and emotionally frazzled toddler mom. If you've ever felt lonely in your motherhood journey or asked yourself, am I the only one experiencing this? Then you, my friend, are in the right place. Each episode focuses on a different but common motherhood struggle, where we discuss the ups, the downs, and the WTFs with moms from all around the world. So whether you're stroller pushing and podcasting yourself around the neighborhood, waiting at the doctor's office for your next fertility treatment, or listening with a well-deserved glass of wine at the end of another full day of motherhood, welcome. I hope you can relate to some of what you hear in today's episode, and get ready to raise your hand if you do. Hey mamas, welcome to the podcast if this is your first listen, and welcome back if you've been following along for a while now. I'm your host, Raylan Minka, and in today's episode, we're talking about sharing, owning, and processing our birth stories. Now, if you're well beyond the newborn or the toddler stage, you might be thinking, birth stories? That was ages ago. I have nothing more to process here. And if this is you, I urge you to continue listening anyway. The first half of today's show will feature real birth stories shared by the mothers who lived them. They'll talk about the feelings and expectations they had going into the birthing process, and then unpack how that ultimately played out over the course of their experiences. Later on, I'll be chatting with Katie Rossler and Amy McCracken. They went from being members of the same motherhood Facebook group, to park date friends with their kids, to co-authors of their brand new book, Giving Birth to Motherhood, Embrace Being a Mom Through the Powerful Healing Process of Writing Your Birth Story. Amy is an editor and book designer, and Katie is a licensed counselor and transformative grief guide, who you might remember from the first episode of season two. They've pooled their professional expertise as well as their personal motherhood experiences to create this wonderful book and methodology for writing about and processing our birth experiences. Now, I know that speaking about and listening to other people share their birth stories might be triggering for some mothers and listeners, so I've asked Katie to share a few words from a counselor's perspective before we go any further. Hey everyone, before we dive in, we want to give you a small disclaimer. In today's episode, you're going to be hearing a variety of stories from different moms around the world who have given birth. They're going to be sharing their birth stories. And At times, hearing other women's birth stories can either create anxiety in us, make us start searching on Google for what is that topic, that that issue they experienced, or have us feeling overwhelmed. That's not the intent of this episode. So if you find yourself feeling that way, you can skip ahead to the next story or skip to the section where we talk about the book, Giving Birth to Motherhood, and how you can start writing your birth story as a tool for your healing know that this episode is here to support you, to help you feel normal, and to maybe educate you in different things about giving birth, not to give you trauma or challenges or feel triggered. So enjoy today's episode and know that this is here to support you. 
Thanks so much, Katie, for that little disclaimer. And thank you again in advance to the moms who were vulnerable enough to share about one of the most personal experiences a person can share about. Before I introduce the first mom for today's episode, I just want to remind you to please rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or wherever you're listening right now. And if you haven't already, hop on over to Instagram and give the podcast a follow at the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Pod. All right, mamas, we'll be right back. Giving birth is such a mind-boggling and wild experience. There's there's really no way to explain how crazy it is. How many of you are going into or went into your labors with real birth stories from other moms you know? With certainty, you went into it with at least a few paragraphs from your baby books and most likely a birth scene or two or ten from your favorite Hollywood movies. My guest Amber from last season summed it up really well. I was actually at a um, like a girls' weekend two months ago. It was the first time I'd been away, I think, ever. I had the kids, um, and all of us there were moms except one of my girlfriends. And so we were having almost these exact conversations, and we we're like, every time we're like, "Sorry, sorry, I know you're not a mom yet. Sorry, sorry." And she was like, "No, I'm the person who needs to hear these. This is so helpful because these are the real." We were talking about birth stories, especially, and she was like, "You never hear any of this." until after you have kids. And that's, you needed to know before. It's so insane to think that birth is this intensely physical experience that we have to go through when we're pregnant. And yeah, we can kind of train and prepare for it. Like we can do birth classes and we can make birth plans and we can visualize and practice our breathing and watch videos in advance. But the actual event, I mean, It's like training for a race that might last 10 minutes or might last three days. You just don't know. It's like going in totally blind to something and knowing that whatever happens will change you for the rest of your life. It's quite a lot to process. So we do our very, very, very best to prepare as much as we can, and then the cards will fall where they may. Okay, mamas, you're about to hear four different women sharing about their four very different birth stories and experiences. Please listen with your heart wide open and remember what Katie said at the top of the episode. If you feel triggered by anything mentioned, feel free to go on to the next story or section of the show. Here's our first mom. All right, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my birth story with my second son, Owen. He was an emergency C-section. Here it goes. So I was induced at 37 weeks and two days due to a swollen vein in the umbilical cord. It was basically like a varicose vein going from me to baby. So they um, were worried about lack of blood flow and everything else that comes along with that. So I was induced. Um, I was induced with my first as well. So I was familiar with this process. Basically, I was asked to go to the hospital for 7.30 in the morning and... They would start me on the gel, which would, in hopes, um, start to soften my cervix because my body wasn't doing anything. It wasn't ready for natural labor. They sent me home and they said, once you basically start to feel any cramping or anything, come back. If you don't feel any of that, come back at two o'clock. Around noon, I was starting to feel some uncomfortable cramps, contractions, wasn't really sure what to call it at that point. So I called the hospital. They said, come on back in. So they brought me back in and I was admitted. 
At that time, they gave me the option to go into the birthing tub, which was an amazing idea. I did not go in the birthing tub or the labor tub or whatever you want to call it um, with Carson. And he was my first, but I was able to go in there with my second. And I was probably in there for two hours. And the nurse said to me, the tub's yours as long as you want it. And it was incredible. I just laid there. The cramping subsided after they gave me some medication and it was lovely. My uh, fiance and I just sat there and we chatted, we laughed, we talked about possibilities, the excitement, all the things that go through your head during labor. So um, after a couple hours, I got out. The nurse checked me and she said, basically nothing's happening. Um, so we're going to break your water, start you on the drip, see if things start to happen then. Um, and they hooked me up to the monitor for the non-stress test. While I was hooked up to that, they noticed that Owen's heart rate was dropping with each contraction. So they called the OB in. The OB basically said, um, baby has 10 minutes to smarten up. If baby doesn't smarten up, we're doing an emergency C-section. This was something that scared the hell out of me. I did not want a C-section. I did not have to do that with my first. And I heard nothing but horror stories about this. And it was just something that I did not want I obviously knew that if this was the only way that my baby would get here safely, then this is what we would have to do. But I was scared shitless for this experience. Doctor came back in in about 10 minutes, checked me again and said, nope, baby's heart rate is still dropping with each contraction. Something's going on. We need to get baby out. I looked at the nurse and part of my language, I said to her, are you fucking kidding me? And she said, what are you thinking? And I said, I am scared. I don't want this because I had heard nothing but horror stories about a C-section experience. I am here to tell you that my C-section experience was beautiful. It was the most laid back, organized, relaxing experience that I could have imagined. The anesthesiologist was so kind, so gentle, kept checking in on me. The nurse was there. She was holding my leg and talking to me, like easing me through everything Finally, once I was prepped, Jake was able to come in. We sat side by side. He held my hand. He talked to me the entire time. The nurses and doctors were talking to me the entire time, talking me through it. They took Jake's phone and they said, when baby comes out, we'll take pictures and that way you'll have it forever. And thank goodness they did or he wouldn't have had any pictures of his birth. And basically, to say the least... I was extremely happy, extremely satisfied with my C-section experience. And I think that I would like to tell other moms to not be so fearful, to trust the process, trust your body, trust your medical team, and just go with it. I did not think that I was going to have this beautiful of an experience. And I'm so disappointed that I let myself be so scared of it because of other people's stories. No birth story is the same. No birth experience is the same. No labor is the same. Trust your body. Trust the experience. Trust your medical team. When I had my daughter, my daughter is my oldest. She's five now. I remember just being in labor for the majority of the day on her due date and you know, since it wasn't three minutes apart, I just didn't think that I should go to the hospital yet. So when I had my son, I was just assuming that this was the same thing. I started having contractions during the due date and I didn't think anything of it. 
I just thought like, okay, whatever. I'm just going to wait until it gets a little bit closer and then I'll go after work. So I was working and it, it was what it was. But then it started to get a little worse. And I was like, maybe I should go to the doctor. My grandmother was like, you just need to go. If they send you home, they send you home. And you know how like when you're really pregnant and you're ready to have this baby and you just can't take the idea of them sending you home. <laughs> That's how I was feeling. So I was just like, I don't want to go. But I, eventually I just went. I went, I walked in. They kind of looked at me and they made it very clear like you don't look like you're in labor. So we're probably not going to keep you. So I sat down and after like 10 minutes of them checking me out, my water broke. So this was the first time I've ever experienced this because they had to break my water with my daughter. So I'm like, oh, okay, it's time to go. And then all of a sudden, everything just increased really quickly. And I was in a lot, a lot of pain. Again, I wasn't used to these feelings because um, with my daughter, I just had all these contractions. And then I went in and they were just like, well, you've been having contractions for over 24 hours now. So we're just going to break your water for you and start the process. This is my first experience like with my water breaking and having these severe contractions because also with my daughter, I had the epidural before it got too bad. This was awful. And this was all in a span of like when my water broke, I think my son arrived like maybe an hour later. So my contractions were like really, really increasing. And I just remember being in a lot of pain and all of a sudden, his heart rate dropped and they're just sticking their hands up me and they're like maneuvering him around. And it was just really scary. And it was really, really painful. So the anesthesiologist came in to give me my epidural. And then that's when I just noticed that the pain was unbearable and I was just crying and losing my mind and stuff like that. And they were just kind of looking at me like, you're fine not a lot of empathy. They're just like, you're fine. The anesthesiologist was like, are you okay? Like, she doesn't seem okay. And they're like, she's fine. And I kept trying to tell them I'm not fine. And I actually feel like this baby is going to come out of me. And they kept looking at me. They're just like, no, we're not there yet. You're not that far along. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, this was my first time experiencing labor in this way. And obviously I'm trusting them. And my doctor is on the way because literally it happened so fast, even though this was my due date, but everything happened so fast. And I can hear them talking to my doctor on the phone saying, no, like she's not going to have this baby. And I'm sitting there telling them, like, I feel like I'm going to have this baby. Things escalated. I guess somehow they got my doctor to come in. And then when she came, she said, okay, tell me when you feel like you have to push. And I'm like, Dr. Johnson, I have to push. Like, I feel like this baby is coming. So then finally she looks down and she's like, oh, yeah, the baby's coming like right now. And they're looking at the monitor. They're saying, they're talking about how his blood pressure has dropped. And she's like, no, 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 you have to push him out right now. Like push him out now. So I pushed him out. Everything happened so fast. I didn't feel my epidural uh, because everything happened so fast. It didn't take time to take effect. So it felt like it was natural. I probably had a little bit of a hit of epidural, but it was very, very painful. And I just didn't feel like they listened to me because I kept telling them that I knew he was coming. And everybody kept trying to, kept really treating me like I was over-exaggerating about the pain that I was in. Even the anesthesiologist was saying like, she seems like she's in 
a lot of pain. So I went through the process. Everything was fine. Thank God he came out healthy. I think during that situation, it was just the scariest time of my life. And I really was anticipating something seriously being wrong with him. But he was very healthy and and everything was fine. And I've heard stories since then of the nurses and the staff at that specific hospital treating women of color differently than they would treat white women in labor and delivery. And to give you a little bit of a backstory, the town that I had my children in is predominantly white. So I'm not saying that that's definitely what happened, but I do know that, you know, there are studies that have come out to say that women of color are pain levels are ignored, whereas women who are white have, you know, they're believed and they're given the medicine that they need and they're believed when they say that they're in a lot of pain. It it just really wasn't a lot of empathy there. And I think I was right. I, I knew that it was time for him to come out. And I was told several times that, no, 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 you're fine. It's not that bad. It's not time to have him. So that was my birth story. I wanted to share my birth story just because it it seems a little bit different than some of the other birth stories and friends that I've talked to of their experience. And um, even from my second, I have two girls now, they're aged eight and five. And with my, my first, I had this urge to use the restroom. It was the middle of the night. So I woke up around 2.15 and I needed to use the restroom. So went to the restroom. Afterwards, I noticed that I just had this urge to just push. It was so strange because it was so different than my Braxton Hicks that I was experiencing before. Um, It just felt different. So I I pretty much planted myself on the toilet for a while. And then I was able to kind of get up. At this point, I had moved out of our master bedroom because I didn't want to wake my husband on the off chance that it was nothing And also on the chance that it was something to kind of let him sleep so he could help me, you know, through labor if it was in fact that. So I'm laboring out in the hallway, um, come to find out, and I'm just kind of doing some cat-cow stretches. But at the moment, I was like, I just thought I'm not feeling well, like I'll, I'll be able to go back to sleep here soon. A few hours later, my husband opens the door to our bedroom and he sees me out there and he's like, what's what's going on? I was like, well, I don't know. I'm just having to use the restroom and um, I just am having this urge to push. And it was so intense and so fast. And I was so confused because this is not how I was told or or learned that labor would start. I've had plenty of Braxton Hicks. I know what that felt like. This was not that. Um, I'm also, side note, blind as a bat. (laughs) So I didn't have my contacts in at this moment. So I, you know, I'm, I'm on the toilet and my husband, Aaron said, why don't I draw you a bath? And I said, that sounds great. So he's drawing me a bath at that moment. When the bath is ready, I get up and my husband looks in the toilet and he sees what was then my bloody show. Um, I can't see anything, of course. So uh, he's like, oh, okay, you are in active labor. So we were recording, you know, timing our contractions, etc. cetera. Um, but I still, with every contraction, I had this incredible urge to push and it just didn't make any sense. So we'll fast forward a little bit. Went to the hospital. They checked. I think I was only about six or seven centimeters dilated. 
And I can't remember what percentage of effacement I had, but the nurse and the midwives at the time were like, you are not ready. Do not push. So for 12 hours, I had to resist the urge to push. And it was by far the most difficult thing that I've ever had to do. It was so challenging and not, again, not at all what I expected. And really the only thing that would give me any bit of release was sitting on a yoga ball in the shower in the hospital and just feeling the warm water on my back. And it would kind of help alleviate some of that urge, but it's, you know, it only helped a minuscule um, bit of time. So I'm walking around. um, They draw a bath for me at the hospital. I'm sitting in the bath still, you know, resisting that urge to push. And I suddenly feel the ring of fire. (laughs) And at this point, I'm just like, yes, this is amazing. I finally feel the ring of fire. And I didn't want to say anything, but I did. My midwife checked me. Um, I was finally fully dilated. Baby's head was coming through and I got the go ahead to push and she came out in two pushes, I think, two pushes after that. So uh, with my second pregnancy and my second labor, I didn't have that strong urge to push, which was really, really welcoming. However, because um, she came so quickly, um, I think I was in labor for a few hours, and by the time we needed to book it to the hospital, she was born 37 minutes after we parked. 37 minutes after we parked to the hospital, they were rushing me on a gurney (laughs) down the hallway. Um, So there was just so much energy and rushment. It was just the, it was so much, you know, stimulation and people around me. And I never got the go ahead to push. I was never checked because I was in so much active labor. I think their assumption of, of, me being ready was there, but I was not, I didn't know this. I was in the dark. I didn't, didn't get checked. Like I said, I didn't get the go ahead of like, okay, push. I was resisting the urge to push during that time because I didn't know. I was afraid that it was going to be the same with my first daughter. But I had like midwives and nurses kind of yelling at me, like kind of telling me to move positions. And I remember feeling so alone in that moment. And it was like, I was screaming in my head, like, I don't know what I can do. I don't know what I can do. But I was so exhausted and in so much active labor at that time that I couldn't get it out. I couldn't express like, please check me. Here's the story with my first labor. This is what I couldn't explain all of that. And that was really difficult. And I I did have some resentment after the birth of my second daughter. And after talking with my husband about it, you know, he said, that makes sense. I should have known. I should have remembered your experience. Um, it was just so we were caught up in everything. So that that made my my birth of my second daughter so much more uh, confusing. And I think if I would have been told like you're good, go. I think it would have been a very different experience for me. But it was a little. Um, you know, it wasn't that great. (laughs) But once she was born and she was there, it was just this release of emotions. And I just bawled my eyes out. Um, One, just knowing that I did it again, she's here. Also, two, a little bit of grief of knowing, you know, we were were done having kids and that was going to be our last um, moment 
like that. So anyway, that is my birth story stories. <laughs> and yeah, it's very different. I had a, a different one for my first and then it just kind of like, I felt like it um, diluted or it just kind of put this layer of doubt in myself for my second one, which was, which was challenging. But thank you so much for allowing me to share my story. So baby number one was pre-COVID. Uh, it was 2019 and uh, I was living in Penang, Malaysia. And most people in Penang, Malaysia speak English. So there was no real English barrier for me. Um, and my husband is Malaysian also. So anytime there was a language barrier, uh, he was able to translate. But that was very rarely. Uh, the big day came and I was like watching a movie with my family and then I got this little kick, kick, kick and I was like, oh, that's the, that's the contractions. Oh, it's happening. But I'd been told like, don't worry about it. You know, the first time you feel the contractions, it will be a long time after that, that anything happens. Like, so don't rush. So, you know, we watched the end of the movie, we had dinner, we went to bed and then the next morning I still had those very gentle, very light contraction feelings. Like I could feel my stomach contracting and getting harder, the whole bump getting harder. So we went in and yep, the doctor said, yeah, absolutely having contractions, but they're very far apart and they're very light. So just go home and come back the next day. So again, we, we came back the next day and he checked us and he said, yep, no worries everything seems fine come back the next day or come back in two days it's up to you how it goes so I was like this is not like the movies and so then it, I had some leaking uh but it's not like in the movies where it goes and gushes out everywhere it was just like gentle leaking so we went back in and I said look I've got this leaking um and the contractions are getting stronger I you know what's going on and he said, right, I think because of the leaking, the water is getting low and we need to induce you. So I was like, fine. So I got admitted to the hospital uh, and then got induced, um, which meant that they, first of all, they just like put me on a drip and gave me an injection to induce me. And the contractions started getting stronger and closer together and stronger and closer together. And uh, about 12 hours later, they were like, we need to induce you again. Okay, fine. So by this time, I think it was like Wednesday morning. Um, but I just was not dilating. I was only one centimeter dilated and it wasn't dilating anymore. So we waited again and again and again. Uh, and by, by four or five o'clock on the Wednesday evening. So this is three and a half days of labor. And I had had really bad labor pains by this point and big contractions, but just no dilation. So on the Wednesday evening, they uh, did an emergency Caesar. They said, you can either push for another 12 hours and we'll probably do a Caesar anyway, or you can do a Caesar now while you're not so tired. Uh, so I did the Caesar earlier and it just completely destroyed me. And when I went home, I made the mistake of having the baby cot right next to my bed so I didn't have to get out of bed. And in doing that, I ended up twisting my body and you should not twist your body when you've had a Caesar. Uh, and that gave me a lot of back pain and a lot of stomach pain and problems, which I'll be honest, only resolved with my second pregnancy because when I did my second pregnancy, I was like, right, we're planning a cesarean. This is the way it's going to go. And 
it was a much more calm, much more considered thing because I was like, no, I'm having a seizure. I know what I'm doing this time. There's no way I can push when I've already had uh, a cesarean. And I know that you can do a VBAC and have a vaginal birth after cesarean, uh, but that was not for me. I wanted to have a calm birth because I had a two-year-old daughter at home and I wanted to be um, less stressed. The other thing I did also, which is a Malaysian thing, uh, is I did confinement, which sounds horrific. So the first time I was like, no, I'm not doing confinement. Uh, but the second time I did confinement and oh my God, it was the best thing ever. I went to this hotel and they massaged me and they gave me spa treatments and they looked after the baby. So anytime I felt overwhelmed, I just phoned room service and they came and they took the baby and they fed him and let me sleep properly. Um, there was a playroom for my two year old to play in. So she felt she could be part of it too. And she and my husband stayed over, uh, when, I was strong enough, but they also gave me the space to have recovery time as well. And because they had a specific nutritional diet to help me recover faster, my whole body is so much more strong uh, this second time around. And I feel like I fixed all the problems that came about from my first childbirth. Uh, and I'm much stronger and healthier as a result of eating loads of red dates and goji berries and all of the the traditional Chinese uh, medicine food uh, that's designed to help with somebody after they have given birth. So they have Chinese confinement, they have Indian confinement, they have Malay confinement here in Malaysia. Um, three different cultures, but with similar concepts of like staying at home, resting, uh, having people look after you and eating specific diet to help you recover. And I really, really recommend it. Anyway, the moral of that story is don't do it alone. Don't think that you know better than anybody else. Take all the advice you can get and uh, do what's right for you. If uh, if doing confinement is right for you, then great. If doing it on your own is right for you, great. If having a Caesar is right for you, do it. If you don't want to push don't do it. Just do what's right for you. That's the moral of that story. Okay, guys, don't go anywhere. I'll be right back with Katie and Amy to talk about their new book, Giving Birth to Motherhood. Hello. Hi. Hello. Thank you both so much for being here. Okay, so for anybody listening, Amy and Katie are both fellow expat mothers who live in Germany. So it's super exciting for me. Um, and it's super awesome because you both understand the German daycare system and have been so accommodating uh, with scheduling this this conversation together as I have worked through my son's first bout of daycare illness, which I'm told is the first of many. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, yeah. I'm really I'm really glad that we could connect today to talk about your new book and your online course. But first, I just want to start off by asking, Katie, could you talk a little bit about the story of this friendship slash uh, working relationship? How did you guys meet and how did you start working together? Yeah, we met on a large online Facebook community for entrepreneur moms. Oh, I love that. <laughs> I think it maybe it was like, are you who's in Germany or who's in Europe? And then we connected and then it was like, we're both in Munich. We should meet up. You've got kids. I've got kids. Let's go. Perfect. <laughs> so, um, 
we had a playground date and um, you brought your son, Amy, and I brought my middle child at the time was my youngest. And we connected on, you know, all the things, motherhood and a, a, a new country. I think, Amy, it was your second time living in Germany, right? And so, but this is the first time with a child. Uh, and it I can was, relate uh, to that. There was a lot of discussion about what that was like and finding a kindergarten, finding, you know, this and that and a doctor. And um, <sighs> later on in our friendship, we started talking about our birth experiences. I don't think it was our first date that we talked about our birth experience. You don't throw that out in the beginning. But <laughs> Save that shared, for the second or third date. Right, exactly. Yeah. You kind of hold those the trauma back to later. Right. <laughs> we shared we both had had C-sections. Um my first was with, had a C-section and, and we both shared sort of the trauma we experienced from it. And that then Amy shared, Hey, I've, I have a book and I think I want to um, write a second edition. Wow. And yeah. And then a couple years later from that discussion, uh, a lot of life happened and we had to pause on writing and I had a third kid. So we had even more stories to tell. Wow. And, and we started writing together. We actually started this year. What was it? January. We said we're doing it. January, February. Yeah. February, yeah. My, my grandfather passed in February. So it gave us a little pause, but we had already mind mapped by then what we were doing. Okay. And then March, April, we were like, okay, it's time. Let's do this. Okay. Wow. So another online dating story gone well. That's great. <laughs> I love that. Oh man, park, park dates make me very anxious, especially in a second language. But I just want to start off by saying congratulations on the recent number one ranking on Amazon for your new book. Thank you. Thank you. So exciting. So the book is called Giving Birth to Motherhood, Embrace Being a Mom Through the Powerful Healing Process of Writing Your Birth Story. Amy, can you talk about why you felt it was so important to team up for this topic for this second edition? Definitely. So the first edition I tried to co-author with a couple of different people, actually, um, and it just kind of never panned out. But I felt like the topic was so important that I really, really wanted to get it out there. Um, it, basically, I came to the idea because I sat down and wrote my own birth story mm. and just found out so many things about myself through that process that I was like, hmm, I think this needs to be a thing. <laughs> <Wow>. Um <laughs> And uh, so that was where the idea came from. And I always wanted kind of the counseling side of things because I'm coming from the editing, writing mm -hmm. side of things. I'm very involved in the book world. And so I know how to do that. But I really wanted to get dig deeper into the psychology of it right. and, and how writing can really be healing and really help us process things. I mean, I've always used that but I didn't know the whys and the tools and, you know, the little things. Yeah. Um, but at the time that I wrote the first edition, I was like, I can't find the right person. I'm just going to do it. Okay. Um, but so then when Katie and I started talking and we'd had similar experiences and we had both processed our births in the, in that way. And, and she's coming from the counselor perspective. I was like, Hi, can can we <laughs> can we write this? a book together? <laughs> yeah. Oh, that sounds yeah. like a perfect match. Um, so it it was it was great. We and we initially started rewriting it, but we were trying to stick to the original, and it just wasn't working. Okay. So this version is not really a second edition. I mean, it is, but it's so different, and it's much deeper, and really, really 
dives into the whys and the hows and the background of who you are as a person and how that comes out through giving birth. And is this book geared towards new mothers only, or did you write it with mothers of all ages and stages in mind? It's definitely easier to use it near your birth. It's it, Everything's fresh. It's all a little bit more obvious. Mm-hmm. Um, but my own mother started working through it. Um, and obviously she hasn't had a kid in over 30 years. Yeah. So, oh, that's really um, interesting. And and we've talked to a few people that, that they're like, wow, I kind of want to do this, even though my kids are in their 20s or in their 15s. I, I want to work through this. Yeah, I think it's a process that, as you say, it's maybe easier when it's fresher or sooner to when you have given birth yourself. But I think it's something that you can work through at any stage. Like, as you say, your mother, that's that's wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a time in your life that doesn't really go away. Like you're, you, you may, some of those memories may fade, some of the particulars may fade, but the transition from not being a mom to being a mom, that just doesn't go away. It's a part of you the rest of your life. So it's, it's something you probably should work through if you haven't. Yeah. And we were finding that moms were kind of throwing their trauma on other moms by sharing like, Oh, and then this happened and then this, and then the doctor. And it was like, okay, how do we teach women to, but that isn't helpful. (laughs) That's not educational. How can you share your story in a way that empowers and prepares a mom without scaring the life out of them where they're Googling every mm-hmm. like thing that you listed? And that is because you have to heal it first. You have to work through it first. And then we teach how do you then talk to other moms about it so it helps them. Okay. That's a big part of the end of the book. It's like, okay, now that you've done it for yourself and you've really worked on healing, what can you do with this now? Right. So Katie, you and Amy both offer an online course now. It's called How to Write Your Birth Story. And this workshop features a therapeutic method that you teach about in the book. Could you talk a little bit about what the workshop looks like and what kind of a time commitment um, mothers would be giving? Yeah, so it's it's 90 minutes. So we keep it very, very doable, doable for a nap time. <laughs> yeah, perfect. <laughs> um, we usually guide the, the group on what were their expectations going into motherhood, um, like beforehand, you know, what were the things that you expected or thought things would be like, and we don't always think about that. We just think about what happened and not like, oh, I thought this, or I was told those traumatic stories or mm. you know, these types, or my doctor only prepared me for this. And I always share the story that I never read the parts about C-sections in the books because I was not going to do that. Right. You know, and so like I wasn't, that wasn't in my birth plan. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. That was not, that was not, I'm a gold star kid. Like I don't <laughs> you know, know. And then it was like, oh my God, Katie, you had so much conditioning around what giving birth was. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. So we talk about that expectations. Then we get into breaking up the group into really discussing kind of who are those key characters from your experience. And, and this is where Amy brings in like that writing side of it. Like, write it as if you're watching it versus as if you're living it. And I come in with what are those things where if it was challenging or traumatic and the emotions are hard, what are some grounding tools? What are some things that can help you process the emotion? Mm -hmm. Um, And then at the end we do a wrap up of like, where do you go from here and how do you keep writing? So it's a great addition to our book because it's not fully, it's the book, but with the community aspect of it, like hearing other people's stories is so healing. Oh, I love that. Um, and understanding that you're not alone is so healing. Can I ask too, 
In in the workshops that you've run already, have you ever had the parent that that didn't birth the child or that didn't have the birth experience come and do the workshop themselves? Like, is that helpful as well for whoever that might be, the co-parent who was in the room with the birthing person to also work through that birth story, like from their perspective, or is this more geared towards the mom? We we haven't. It, it's geared towards the mom, but honestly, we tell the moms that that's something they should consider. Mm. Um, one of the tools is to write a letter to your partner. And then we say, and now you need to tell your partner to write their own letter. And then you guys get together and you discuss it and, and you figure out how to communicate with each other. Um, because yes, totally taking into account your partner's experience and how they need to process what happened. I mean, they, it, it could have been potentially just as traumatic for them because they're sitting there watching you go through this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, it, we haven't had that happen. And I, you know, Katie does also work with couples a lot. So it would be interesting to take this in a whole new direction and do like a couples workshop. That would be kind of fun. Yeah. But <laughs> we we definitely lead them down that path of like you need to learn to communicate with your partner and that might mean they need to process as well right okay and what is it exactly that you want mothers who have done this online course or read your book to to feel or to take away from the experience i think it's about being empowered you know um often we feel like our bodies did something against us or the system did something against us and we don't feel empowered anymore we feel like control was taken and through our methodology and our workshops it brings that feeling of empowerment back and a feeling of control in a positive way not in a like anxiety i have to have control let me suffocate this Mm -hmm. but in a oh okay, there are steps I can take. I won't always have to feel this way or have this memory in this way. You know, we had one mom at a workshop who shared that um, when the birthday comes around, it's really hard for her. And by the end of the workshop, she was like, oh my gosh, I feel like like, I'm like excited. I know what to do. And I know, like, I, I feel much more in control of those emotions. I understand them better. And I don't feel so negative about a birthday coming up. Oh, you know, wow. now it's more about the fun of it for them and seeing that a birth story is not only of the, the mother, it's also the child. And mm-hmm. how do you start to tell them their story? Because that's healing, too, in a way that feels a bit like a superhero. Yeah. You know? um, that's how I like to tell my kids their stories. It's like, and then your mom did this. And, you, and it just it gets them um, more excited and it helps you go like, wow, I'm pretty pretty cool. Freaking <laughs> awesome. Yeah. That, even though I there were some that. scary things that happened, like, wow, I overcame that. Wow. Um, so by the end of it, it's just empowerment and, and normalizing that most of us are going through some form of challenging or traumatic birth nowadays. Mm-hmm. Um, our goal is to decrease that, honestly, because we do think that a lot of it is the mentality going into pregnancy, going into delivery. And our hope is that fellow moms can help change the system. That's powerful. For a mom who's listening today or listening to this episode, and they're curious and they're debating whether or not that this might be something to explore, but it's not something that they've necessarily done something similar in their lives before, what would you say to them to encourage them that this could really be a a healing or positive experience? I I think there are two people that would come at this and be worried about doing it. There's the people who are a little bit terrified of the emotions and how overwhelming it can be Mm -hmm. and not being able to get through it. Um, 
And I would say that the way we've broken it down, we've made it so bite-sized and so simple that it's going to feel like you're just filling in the blanks and then you will end up with this complete thing by the end. So it's not overwhelming. On the emotion side, it can be overwhelming, but we give you tools on how to how to deal with that and how to process that and how to help yourself through it rather than shove that all down and forget about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you also have the people coming at this going, well, I don't need this. I'm fine. Everything's fine. And that was exactly how I felt is my baby's fine. I'm fine. We're okay. But... I realized I would see other people's births or I would hear other stories or I would look at articles and I would get so mad, so angry. And I was like, okay, no, I actually need to deal with this. There's something wrong. So while while this is geared towards mothers who feel they had a traumatic birth, who feel that something definitely went wrong, but the result was okay, everything was fine in the end, it can also be helpful for those who don't realize that their birth might have affected them in that way. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to be linking everything in the show notes for this episode, but is there anything else that either of you would like to share for the listeners how people can find out more about you online, about where they can buy the book, um how they can access your workshop or maybe other projects that you're currently developing together? Yeah, so our book is on both of our websites. So amymccracken.com or katierusser.com. You'll see the books and find our book there. But you can purchase it on any online bookstore. Perfect. You can even go into a book- bookstore and say, I want you to order this for me. And then you go to the bookstore and pick it up there. Wonderful. Um, so it's, it is available everywhere and anywhere. Uh, that, and we really recommend supporting small bookstores. Um, as much as Amazon is the driver for so much, really, um, yeah, you know, we're grassroots and we're indie writers. We want you to support those local places too. Awesome. Okay. And yeah, as I mentioned, I will link all that. So anyone listening who would like to find it, just go to the show notes. You can find it there. Um, Katie, Amy, I want to thank you both so much for talking with me about this today. I know that there are a lot of women um, and parents that they're listening who will benefit so much from what you have created together and are putting out there. I think it sounds so interesting. And I just really appreciate you being here to share about it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having us. I want to say thank you so, so much to the moms who contributed for today's episode. It's been such an honor to share your stories here today. To Amy and Katie, thank you for joining me on the show, and I sincerely hope that some of you listening will check them out online. I've linked all the information about their new book, as well as their course offerings, in the show notes. And finally, to the moms listening today, do you have a topic that you'd like me to cover in an upcoming episode of the podcast? If so, please send me a DM on Instagram. You can find me again at the Raise Your Hand Motherhood Pod. This entire podcast started with one tiny Google form asking moms in my social network to share about what they were struggling with. So help me out by sharing some of your motherhood experiences. All right, that's all for today's show, mamas. Thanks so much for letting me hang out with you again. Until next time. Hey, Mama, thanks so much for listening to today's episode of the Raise Your Hand Motherhood podcast. I made it for you, so I hope you enjoyed it. 
And don't forget to hit that subscribe button so we can hang out together again soon.